Hello and welcome back to the Would You Give Me a Stage Hand podcast. I'm Toby Batan. This is a show where I interview colleagues and various professionals in the entertainment industry and ask them to simply divulge their secrets on how to make it. My guest this week is Jazz Pitcairn, a writer and director from Cayman Islands. She's written for shows such as A Black Lady Sketch Show on Max, served as director's assistant for shows such as Dickinson on Apple, as well as worked for several major networks such as A24. She was also nominated for Best Local Filmmaker at Cayman Island International Film Festival. Today she joins me to discuss how she made it to a writer's room so early on in her career, how not being from the United States helped her get there, and where she hopes her career to go from here. Thanks for listening. I just kind of wanted to start off by having you introduce yourself, talk about what you do in the industry, and if you want, like, you can talk a little bit about, like, the lead-up to how you got there. Okay. Hello. My name is Jazz Pickcairn, and I'm a writer. Um, Most recently, I wrote for HBO's A Black Lady Sketch Show. Um, How I got to where I'm at. So I went to NYU. Um... I studied film and television, and while there, I interned at a bunch of different companies like A24 and HBO, and really learned a lot about the business sides of entertainment and learned a lot about how important networking is. And so while at NYU, I stayed in touch with a lot of professors, a lot of different guest speakers, and that really is what helped me find work after I graduated. Um, Once I graduated, through a professor's recommendation, I was... um, I had an opportunity to submit to be a director's assistant on an Apple TV show called Dickinson. And I got the job and I worked on that for about four or five months. And then through the recommendation of somebody who was a guest speaker in one of my classes that I stayed in touch with, I was had the opportunity of submitting myself to be a writer's assistant on a Black Lady sketch show. And so that summer I worked on the show, learned a lot about how the room works, learned a lot about the show specifically, and kind of self-taught myself how to write sketch comedy for that show specifically. I think a lot of the times with TV shows, especially things like comedy or late night, you have to kind of learn the voice of the show, and that's what will separate you from all the other people who are submitting to it. And so I learned the voice of a Black Lady sketch show um, and was able to ask if they would consider me as a staff writer for the following season. Um, And they did. They said, sure, you can submit a packet. And I wrote a packet, um, which was just two sketches, um, which I felt were in the heart and spirit of the show. And through that, I was able, I was hired and I was able to be a writer on season four of a Black Lady Sketch Show. Kind of just wanted to ask about before you started the process of kind of like asking professors, were you geared to be a writer? Like when you went to film school, were you like, I want to be a writer or did you like want to go into production or be a director or did you have like a course in mind? Yeah, that's a great question. I started off wanting to be a director primarily i directing has always been something that i've loved and been interested in and that was my like that's the dream that's the goal when i went to nyu it became very clear that if you want to direct something cool you have to write something cool 
um, something that's in your voice, something that speaks to you. There's so many talented writers out there. There's so many, um, you know, scripts that are unmade. But ultimately, when you're trying to be a director, you want to direct something that speaks to you and is in your voice and also speaks to your experiences. I'm from the Caribbean. I'm, you know, first gen, I guess you could say, like, you know, moving to America and stuff like that. Um, And so for me, there weren't a ton of Caribbean biracial characters on screen or things that really spoke to me. And so I figured out that I had to write for myself. Um, And in doing that, I started prioritizing that and writing through my own experiences, as most people do, like as everyone says, write what you know. And through some mentorship and guidance, I was able to like craft a skill for writing. But I wouldn't say that writing was something that I, you know, was just like, oh, I'm in love with writing and like this is my dream and it's my goal. It was something that assisted the dream and goal. It was something that I found a love for, like through practicing it and doing it. But yeah, and then the I just I'm a big proponent of taking any opportunity that comes your way. And so um, when the writer's assistant gig came up, I was like, yeah, sure, of course. And I just it's like it's just one of those things where that's how the path ended up taking me. But I could have also continued working in production. I could have also um, assisted a producer, which might have put me more in a producing track to work on different TV shows or features. So it really just depends on where life takes you. And that's how writing came to me. <laughs> Okay, so would you say that you more or less kind of like fell into it and just kind of like, you know, through like guidance and mentorship, like kept going or? Yeah, I mean, like, ultimately, for me, the goal is I want to write and direct my own features, my own TV shows. And so they come hand in hand. And I think through my own education and experience, I came to like accept and love that they go hand in hand. So the writing opportunity definitely came to me like out of nowhere in a way like I'd never if you would have asked me three years ago when I graduated like I'd be writing for an HBO show I would have told you you were crazy but it just it was one of those things where it can happen like that's a a popular track into getting into the writer's room is starting as a writer's assistant or a writer's PA because again it's all about who you know so if you're in the writer's room even if you're a writer's assistant you're getting to know the showrunner and those are the people that make decisions on who's hired or at least have a huge say in those things. And you also have an advantage of getting to know the show, getting to know the voice. And so that's, you know, it was just, sometimes people are writer's assistants for years before they get that opportunity. I think where Black Lady Sketch Show is different is that that's a show where you only hire Black women to write on the show. So that kind of small, like the pool of candidates is a little smaller and also Robin Thede, who's the creator of the show, is a huge proponent of bringing up young Black women. And so she really saw a need to offer those types of first-time opportunities. And so all of those things kind of aligned in order for me to get that writing opportunity sooner than later. Um, yeah. So would you say that, like, since you've uh, been writing for rooms that you've started to, like develop certain like practices and rituals around writing like do you find that you have to like write a lot outside the job just to kind of like keep that muscle moving um if so like what makes you motivated to write because I know it can be hard especially if it's your job it's kind of hard to like practice as well um so yeah like how do you go about that yeah I mean I think I've only written in one writer's room at this point so that was my only experience and it was intensive like you write a lot of sketches you're constantly moving but what's great about it is it's almost like a boot camp in writing you're 
having to constantly come up with new ideas and just write and, you know, have all these like short stories essentially pour out of you. And so in that way, writing in the room really helped train me for writing in a professional sense, I think. Like, I look forward to using those skills in further scenarios, writer's rooms in the future. Um, But also, I think if you're writing something, you love writing. Like, and so even though for me, it was something that grew over time, like, I love writing. Like, right now, like, that's what I do in my free time. I wouldn't say that like writing is hard. It's a lot of writing is just thinking and, you know, putting different pieces of a puzzle together, trying to show your story and getting feedback and critiques and just keep having to push through. And so, yeah, I would say, you know, if you're if you're doing a job in the entertainment industry, it's because you love it. That's it's not because the pay is going to be amazing or because the struggle isn't that hard. Like it's it's going to be a tough road regardless of how you get where you get. And so as long as you love what you're doing, like just keep doing your own thing, writing your own stuff, then it, yeah, you should be good. And sometimes for some people, they write a script in a week and it's amazing. And then it, for other people, you're writing a script for two years and it just takes time. It takes work and yeah. wanted you to just to like talk about your experience like being on set slash being in the writer's room um because you said you started off working on Dickinson so can you talk about what like what you were doing when you went to set every day um what the process was like who did you meet who did you interact with uh, so on and so forth so I was a director's assistant to a director who was also a producer on the show and so because he was working full-time on the show so was I and we, I started working with him in pre-production. And so that's when the show is, you know, gearing up to start shooting the show like a month or so beforehand. We're on the studio um, lot and we're shooting in New York and we have offices and I would go in and really a large part of your job as an assistant is answering emails, scheduling things, making sure people have food and just like learning who's who in within the show and coordinating. Um, a lot of the times when you're an assistant to anybody in any industry, that's your job. So I will say as a side note to anyone who is wondering if they're qualified to be an assistant, you are. There is <laughs> same with internships. I know there's so many internships out there and there's a lot with fancy names and you might not think that you're good enough for it, but truthfully, regardless of where you're working, like that's like as long as you're organized and you're keeping things and you're someone who's on top of things, then you'll be fine. And so that's what I was doing as a director assistant, um, scheduling emails, you know, scheduling meetings, taking notes in meetings sometimes, and just making sure that the person you're assisting is, you know, able to do their job as the best they can. Like you're just helping them with whatever they need. And so a large part of being an assistant is also, um, com- being a chameleon a little bit depending on who you're assisting sometimes there are people who um don't really need help with emails at all and they just want your notes on something or they just like it just depends on who you're assisting but for me that was a large part of my job and then once we got into production um it was being on set with the director making sure that he had everything that he needed honestly it's not that my job is that different it's just the location of doing the job is different because you're just going to sets or you're going on location um 
yeah, so it's just it's just organizing, making sure everyone has things like if lunch is around the corner, do we know like do we know his food's there or do we know a car is ready to pick him up or you know, making sure this meeting is here or oh my god, does it need to be rescheduled? Okay, cool. Here are some other alternatives, you know, like that's mainly what being an assistant looks like. And so you mentioned that um like a big difference is that like being a director's assistant versus writer's assistant is that you're like on set versus not. I mean I could imagine that um you know, the process of kind of seeing a project come out feels different across like those two positions. So like because when you were a director's assistant, at least you kind of got more of a feel like I'm on set. I'm kind of like really seeing how the sausage gets made versus when you were like in a writer's room. Did you ever feel like the sketches that you wrote wouldn't really be portrayed in the way you thought? Do you ever have anxiety over like because you're not on set, you don't know how like it's going to come out? Well, honestly, it, it de- it's like it depends. So on as an assistant in both situations like i have no skin in the game right so it's like the for tv shows the vision that's being you know brought to life is the showrunner or the creator of the show's vision and so they're the person that's you know at the end of the day like that's whose vision matters that's who we're all working for and who we want to make happy and help them just in whatever it is they need and so it doesn't really affect me personally because as a being on Dickinson, yes, it's cool to see how it works, but again, I'm not, my job isn't there to like make the sets look nice or anything. My job is there to just make sure the director can do his job as an assistant. Um, in the writer's room as an assistant, you take a lot of notes, um, you're grammar proof, you know, you're checking for grammar, you're doing all that kind of proofreading stuff. So again, like you're, you know, you're facilitate, you're helping, you're assisting, but it's not like, I, you know, have much, it's like cool to see what it looks like and you can imagine what it would look like, but it's not anything that matters as much. Like as long as the the showrunner and creator is happy, like that's what matters to all of us. Um, when I wrote for the show, of course, as a writer, you think in your head what something's going to look like, but ultimately, like, again, it, <laughs> it doesn't matter. Um, but that said, like, the, at least in a Black Lady Sketch show, Robin was really great about asking, like, how do you want these things to look? Like, what do you, what is your vision for this? Like, at the, we want to, like, know. And then she, with her genius and, like, um, the director, they work together with also the other department heads, production design, everything, to put together a really amazing looking sketch. And so, yeah, I mean, it's like cool to see what it looks like. Like we're not on set. We're not involved in those processes at all. So we finish writing the sketches and then we watch the show nine months later and we see what it looks like. And like watching season four was really fun. It was really cool to see what they did. You like reconvene with your like fellow writers once the season comes out. Be like, oh, I really like how that came out, or like, I really like that like punch up you added, or something like that. Like, does like, do you talk with each other, or like, is it just kind of out there? Yeah, we we're all friends. Like, I think when you there's not that many people in a writers' room, or at least not in this one, and so you all kind of you know become friends in the sense that you're all going through the same thing, and so I currently am based in New York about half the writers are based in LA so the ones that are in New York I stay in touch with and yeah we like we all love the show we have a group chat you know we talk about how awesome like every night when the show would come out like our all of our favorite sketches all the things that you know came out that were fun 
um yeah we stay in touch it was a good vibe it was a good vibe i'm curious to know like how a writer develops a relationship with the showrunner um during a project like um how does that unfold like are you constantly reporting to them slash like i know you said that you learned how to write in the voice of black lady sketch so for so for you did you like seek out like old work by robin Thede or like watch like other things projects she was in slash when you went to uh got to set like how did you further foster that relationship i mean again i can't speak for like in general what writers rooms are like because i have only been in one um but in that scenario with robin like she was very welcoming she was someone who was like best idea in the room wins and so through that like mentality you you have a little more wiggle room to say like hey i have a suggestion or hey like this is you know what i would think um as a writer's assistant i had that opportunity and i think in doing that i was able to have a bit of a voice in the room and start getting to, but it's like, these are people that, I mean, we had to do a Zoom room. So you have to imagine it's like for three months, every single day, all day, you're talking to these people. And there's only like seven writers-ish in the room and plus the sports staff. So you, you are very much involved. It's not like a, I don't think there's a strategy or anything in order to develop a relationship with um, the showrunner. I think like, different showrunners are different again I can't speak to how other showrunners run their rooms and what the support staff relationship is like but for me it was a small room we were all a bunch of funny black women who just like really enjoyed each other's company we had such a great time and Robin definitely facilitated a space where we all felt comfortable sharing and I think through that we were able to build a relationship with her like and you know like she's our boss she's a mentor and she's someone that we all look up to um yeah and mentioning how small the room was but you were all you do you did have commonalities and that you're all black but still that everyone has like different life experiences and has different perspectives so how did you adapt to working with um like six other writers who i mean in a way would all have like different voices and perspectives slash like how do you find a happy medium between like what you all want to say in the script I'm trying to think like if that wasn't an issue I'm trying to think like if there was a strategy or anything there wasn't an issue I mean the beauty about Black Lady Sketch Show is that it is a show which highlights black women in very different scenarios very different emotions feelings like it's not that every sketch is going to capture every single you know black woman and that's the point so that's why Robin chooses writers from very different backgrounds very different you know like different ages um, different interests and things. And the whole point is to get a cross-section of Black experiences so that you can really show the, like, magical realism of, like, the Black female experience. And so that was something that was embraced. And it would... The way that sketches are written, it's not... Um, it's not, like, you have seven people writing one sketch. Usually it's, you know, each writer will pitch an idea that they kind of relate to. And then the writers can help each other out by, like, you know, suggesting um you know other beats moments story ideas what have you and then that writer writes the sketch and after that this team works together to punch it up and so it it becomes very much a group effort but it's not a matter of like 10 people in a room writing one sketch together it's like one person kind of takes charge and then as a group we come together to make it the best sketch we can make it 
in writing. For me, I'm more of like a fan of sketches and sketch comedy more than I actually write sketch comedy. And I think that if somebody like asks me to like sit down and write a comedic scene uh that would be easier to, for me than like writing a comedic sketch just because you know there are like beats involved and um you know there's like the rule of threes and like so how what is your uh process for writing sketches like how do you write sketches how do you write good sketches how do you come up with ideas um is it just like you know you watch snl or like think of moments you've experienced in real life or yeah yeah i mean i think so in writing for Black Lady Sketch Show, again, like what's interesting is like SNL, for example, and Black Lady Sketch Show are very different shows. And so sketches that might work for SNL won't, might not necessarily work for Black Lady Sketch Show and vice versa. And so it's not really a show that you can look to other comedians to like write for. Um, so really, it's just thinking about your own experiences going like what happened to me or my friend or something like I always make a joke that I use my friend's trauma to write jokes for TV, you know, like that's basically what's happening. And so you come up with some funny ideas and then you're like, how can I best showcase showcase this theme or this idea in a five page sketch? Right. Um and that, I mean, that you can come to that conclusion in so many different ways. Sometimes it's a simple, like, you know, one plus two equals three type of sketch and you pitch it and it makes sense. Sometimes you go into the room and you're like, listen, guys, I know I wanted to write about this type of topic or this type of theme. I don't know what the sketch is. And like the writers will help you like come up with something. Was there like a sketch uh across any of the seasons that you were like particularly into or even like a sketch that you had a hard time with like were there uh, or that had any hiccups or like a sketch that just like has stood out to you as your time writing um let's see i mean there's so many um i really like so this one's a personal favorite because supposedly a character was based off of me but the original um, What Up, I'm 3 sketch in season three, um, okay. that one was really funny to me because that, for like, as my experience as a writer's assistant in the room who was like kind of shy, was scared to talk and stuff. One day Robin was like, I have this idea for a sketch, What Up, I'm 3. And she described it and it was so funny. And then she, you know, wrote the sketch and showed it to us. And one of the characters who I believe was played by Ashley Nicole Black um in that sketch she was like jazz you you're reading this this role like this one was like based on you and like not literally based on me but it was just funny because she essentially just wanted like someone to talk in like a monotone voice (laughs) and someone who just had this very like still calm presence and I was just like that's so funny like because I wouldn't know how I'm perceived in a way you know it's like I don't really know Am I messing up all the time? Am I this? Am I that? And so it was really cute. And she was like, no, this one, this one was based on you. And I was like, that's so funny. And I like the sketch is so funny. So I have a personal, like, that one comes to mind because it was a moment for me where I felt seen in a way, like as an assistant where you try to like hide, I felt very seen by like my coworkers and it's a funny sketch. So it's cool. Yeah, that's kind of like such like a funny and like, 
interesting way to have your personality like memorialized like in a tv show which i think is really cool um but you you didn't um mention like kind of being shy and um i kind of like relate to that a little bit in terms of like networking is something i'm still like getting used to doing and that's like i'm trying to like broach how to like you know casually go up to somebody or even just casually being like can i have your phone number or like oh what type of work like how do you find your work or like what type of work do you get into but kind of translating that into like the writing world like how did you find your voice and like hold your own in the writer's room um like because i feel like it can be easy to sometimes or probably not because you have like rapport with your co-workers but sometimes i feel like maybe if you're in a room where you don't know each other as well as you don't or if you don't come from similar backgrounds it could be easier to get your or have your voice be drowned out so um i kind of just wanted to know how you like held your own and like stuck up for yourself in ways in times that you found found that you needed to um so you kind of asked two questions there so the first part was like networking and that so for me i i think networking is one of my best skills and i would say it's my best skill because i don't care about rejection at all at all at all at all like i'm the person who will email a hundred people and be happy if one person answers and not regret at all reaching out to the other 99 i've always i think because i was an international student i'm not american and so i needed a visa to like work in the u.s post-graduation and even when you graduate, so when you graduate as an international student, you get one year to try and find work before you then need to get a work visa. And in that one year, you have to work within your industry, but you also have to cobble enough credits together to prove that you are quote unquote extraordinary enough to get a work visa after the fact. And so I think for me, there was no other option. Like I never had the option to know that I could fall back on bartending if I needed to like that. I'm legally not allowed to do that. Um, And so for me, I think like networking was just like a necessity. Like I literally had to do that. Um, And I just became very good at like getting in the habit of reaching out to people, staying in touch with people. And it starts like, again, I was privileged to go to NYU, which is a, you know, very good film school. And a lot of professors are, in touch with other people in the industry. And so that was, you know, definitely a benefit of going there. But that said, like one of the two professors, particularly of all of the ones I had, have been the most, um, I guess, important. Like they have been the most like, uh, what's the word? Like they've, like they've, the ones that have been the most helpful, I guess, essentially after university were not film professors. They were like a marketing professor and a business professor who just happened to know all these other industry folk. And so I think what's important in saying that is that networking isn't just about like finding someone with the job that you want and reaching out to them. It's just about like being open-minded to meeting new people and finding new friends in different scenarios and places. Like I stayed in touch with this professor because I genuinely really liked his class. I didn't think he would be the one that helped me get a job at Dickinson, you know? Um, and so I would say with networking, it's really just don't think of it just as like, I need someone to get me a job because you're going to get yourself the job. But think of networking more as just like, how can I expand my like resources or education in a way to like 
just know more people who are in the industry, know more people who are going through what I'm going through. Also remember to network across like your friends, the people who are in school with you right now, who are all unemployed. They're all people who are going to go off and do so many amazing things. Even if one of them turns out to be like a Michelin star chef or something like you never know. But like those connections are what's going to end up being like, like if you're friends with someone who ends up being a chef and then 10 years from now, you're trying to really impress this executive who wants to go to this restaurant that your friend works at. Like you never know where those connections are going to come in. And so don't think of it as like, a, I need to become besties with the CEO of Disney. Think of it as just like, you know, how can I keep expanding my breath and my knowledge and there's a lot of people that won't answer you and that's okay like I I genuinely don't think anybody ignores you out of a place of annoyance or ill wishes people are just busy or they just have a lot of people reaching out to them and so that's okay but eventually someone will respond so I always encourage to network network with people you know network with people you don't know you never know what will come out of that um on the other side about writing what were you asking me about writing? I was asking about like how you hold your vote own in a yeah. Um, again, like it's hard to it's hard to say about holding my own because again, the room was really welcoming. You know, like I never felt like nobody cared about what I had to say. I never felt like I had to defend myself. Sometimes you like pitch an idea and everyone looks at you like you're crazy, and you might have to defend yourself. But you also know, I think. There's comfort in knowing that everybody wants the same thing in that room. Everyone wants us to succeed. Everyone wants us to come up with the funniest ideas. And so they're not going to leave you hanging. If you believe in something, then they will fight with you to try and find something that makes sense. And so that was like the culture of the room. That was what, you know, we worked with. And so, of course, there are hard days where maybe you didn't, the sketch that you thought you were going to write was like vetoed and people were like, y'all, you crazy, but whatever you decided on writing and said was probably better or something that you identify with just as much. So, yeah. Do you think, um, had you not had that, uh, added pressure of being an international student and like having a smaller amount of time to find work and, um, a visa that you would be in the same place as what you, as where you are? Because I feel like, that kind of added a little bit of like hustle to you and like you know that's really necessary to like work your way up in the entertainment industry so do you think that in a way was like more of like a bl- I, I imagine like that's like hard and stressful like even when without being an international student it's hard to find a job as is but like do you think that kind of helped you in a way kind of like worked to your advantage yeah i mean i i'm someone who believes that when it, whenever they say only one percent of people make it in the industry it's not because those that 1% that makes it are not the most talented people, in my opinion. I think the 1% that make it are the people that work incredibly hard to make it happen for themselves. Those are the people that have no other option. They're tunnel vision. This is what they love. This is what they're going to do. And they're going to keep working and fighting until they get it. And I really think that's the difference. And I'm, I'm somebody who, because of everything you just said, like I didn't have any other option as to like just to like move forward and work really hard. And so if you're someone who's willing to put in the time and the work, I mean, just submitting, just networking and emailing people or submitting to jobs is a full-time job on its own. Like that's a lot of late nights. That's a lot of monotonous, you know, emails or whatever. And so you just have to be kind of like believe in yourself so much until, you know, you, you're able to get your foot in that door some way. 
was there ever like a time that you got a little bit discouraged and you were like there are so many other jobs I could work that like would guarantee me like uh like a work all the time like good paying salary um because I know like this industry is like pretty precarious like even if you do land a job it's hard to like be consistently employed um or did you just like feel like you were so like tunnel vision but in a good way that it kind of you were like oh that's not an option for me i'm just gonna like keep going until i find something yeah i mean as much as it might look on the outside like i've had a lot of success in the sense that i write for a show and had some cool internships and whatever there was a lot of rejection along the way and that can definitely be discouraging. I mean, my first internship ended up being at CNBC, but CNBC out of literally, I think over a hundred internship applications where I was applying literally everywhere. I was even emailing people that didn't have internship programs begging to be like a free intern work for free. I got so many rejections and that happened to be the one that was like, hey, we'll take a look at you, whatever. And that one was funny because I think I just happened to be one of the first people that responded to a thing. Um, And so that one was just like a timing luck thing that worked out where right at the end of the semester, right when you everyone's giving up hope that if they don't have an internship for the summer, then you're not going to get one. That's when I got that internship. And so there's a lot of rejection along the way every single time, every time I tried applying to an internship so many rejections even when i started having experience trying to get job after college same thing um and even now like i haven't had a paying job in almost a year basically (laughs) but say la vie we're pushing through and you know we'll see what happens i'm just staying diligent in my own things that i can control which is like working on my own stuff working on my own things um that i hope to independently you know, make should this strike continue. And if it doesn't continue, then maybe that's something I can do in the future. But it's just about focusing on yourself and working on your craft. The only thing I can do is practice. So I made a short film um, that's about to go into the film festival circuit. And now I'm just working on my own writing stuff because that's the stuff I can control. I want to be a director. So I have to direct something. to prove that I can do it and so I take the time to do that and so for me that's how I um keep pushing through I find things to do in order to keep me busy and push myself forward even when other people aren't necessarily just giving me opportunities how do you find that balance between like working on others and like working on your own work because I know for me I'm currently in the process of like you know um trying to transition into working on more sets like paid sets but then at the same time i'm like oh i have this idea that i want to like flesh out or i have this video i want to shoot like for my youtube channel or something like that it's like how do you decide you know this job might pay me but this job might lead to other resources even though it's like a personal thing so i would say if you're earlier in your career to prioritize making money and being on sets because that's where you're going to learn how sets run and that's where you're going to meet people that will want to work keep working with you and who can maybe provide things for you in the future um i if i tried to make the short film that i just made two years ago would not have been nearly as good would not have 
you know, gone anywhere. And it was a story that I really cared about and have wanted to work on. And I wrote it years and years ago and was like, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this. And I kept having to wait for multiple different reasons. COVID hits or I have to, you know, travel somewhere or something unexpected happens and the project never got done. And I ended up doing it after we finished, I finished writing for a Black Lady Sketch Show and that ended up being the perfect divine timing in a way. Um, I wouldn't have had the knowledge, the resources, the connections, the confidence even to make something as what I think is pretty good and something that we're pr- I'm really proud of. And so I think finding a balance is important. If you need to prioritize something at the beginning of your career, I think a way like being on set, making money and like meeting other people, learning how production works should be a priority because those jobs are not guaranteed. You never know when your next one's going to come and it never hurts to have as many credits as you can, you know? That yeah. said, like you should be using your free time for yourself. I mean, obviously it's hard to balance also a social life and just time off in general to like not burn out. But if you have your own specific goals in mind, I think that's what's honestly important. Having a goal in mind is to like, if you want to do something for your YouTube channel, what's the point of your YouTube channel? What are you trying to achieve with that? Is it something that is for literally just for yourself because it's fun? Is it something that has a specific goal in mind? Like what is, like, I think just having goals in mind as to like, what those personal projects are trying to achieve. So for example, my short film is a proof of concept for a feature film that I would like to make soon. So I knew that this is a story I wanted to tell. It's a story that hasn't really been done. I need to make a proof of concept. And then now I'm in the certain, like, so it's for some people, they're like, oh, Jazz made a short. That's cool. Hopefully it gets into some cool festivals. And I'm like, yeah, hopefully. But also I'm thinking about the feature. I'm thinking about financing for that already i'm thinking like i have all these things with the goal to be to eventually end up at the oscars you know like that's always been my dream that's the goal and this is my pathway to try and make that happen for myself and so i think when it comes to your own personal projects think about why you're doing something think about how it's gonna improve you sometimes you just do it for fun because you love it and that's great sometimes there's like a deeper purpose behind some of these things and i think just self-analyzing and being like why am I spending so much time on this? Is this the best use of my time in this moment right now? And how can I utilize this to my advantage, I think? So it really just depends on the situation, the opportunities that are around. If someone gave you a hundred grand tomorrow to make your own film, then that should take priority over working on a set randomly, right? Like because in that case you have the funding. You have the whatever, whatever, that might not necessarily be there two weeks from now. Someone could pull out, something could happen. And so it's just a matter of figuring out what it is you want, what's going to get you there um, the most efficient way possible. And yeah, just doing a pros and cons. But generally speaking, I think like, yeah, working, getting credits, meeting people, seeing how things work on set is really important. Another thing I wanted to make sure I asked you about uh, was like uh, the WGA strike because you know I feel like it's unprecedented because I know like you they had to have gone on strike in the past but it's been getting like a lot of media coverage lately and I kind of just wanted to know how that's like the strike has like personally impacted you um like 
I know that there were a lot of like reasons, like extenuating circumstances that made the WJ go on strike, um, uh, such as like, you know, um, the rooms are getting shorter, um, the pay was getting smaller, um, writers were not really getting that experience of like going on set that that was really invaluable. So did you feel as though like you were experiencing the same things that led to the strike or has your experience been kind of different as someone who wrote like on a Zoom show slash how has the strike been like impacting you um, in finding work or um, or yeah. There is no work. <laughs> they have qu- it's so fun i'm sorry it's so funny when because some few so many people have asked me that and i'm like well there's no like it just it of course it impacts impacts every single person that's a writer every single and not even just who's a writer i mean it's every director every producer every costume designer every makeup artist like it's affecting everybody because there's literally no work happening i mean especially as a writer i can't work anywhere even if i wanted to um and with the actors striking, that also means zero production is happening. And so you have like prop houses in LA that are going bankrupt because they've, you know, their whole existence is like no longer being needed and could not be needed for several months to come. And so it's impacting everyone because no, no one is working. Um, that said, the strike is very important and I fully stand with all the things that WJ are asking for. They're not crazy requests. Um, again, I've only been in one writer's room, so I can't speak to experience in terms of you know there's some writers who've been doing this for like decades and so they're able to look at their life 30 years ago to now um for myself I don't have that experience so I don't think I can really touch on that like I don't really like I just don't know that wasn't my experience okay and so now that the like screen actors guild has like also gone on strike do you kind of like see that further in well obviously like further impacting you but do you does that kind of make you more hopeful or like a little bit more like reticent about like what the future is gonna be and then also like i know that there's like people have been talking about like the threat of like ai like taking over like (laughs) writers jobs and stuff like how do you feel about that like do you think that's like an actual problem or is it just kind of more people like catastrophizing and being like oh film and tv is gonna go away art is gonna go away blah blah blah. so yeah i mean the sag strike definitely I think it's helpful in the sense that it's there's more unity and alliance here. It's showing the studios that everyone on the other end are on the same page. Um, and so I think it's it's hopeful in the sense that to see like that kind of unity and the hope is that studios will see that we're not kidding around and we're going to strike until they bend. <laughs> and um, in terms of the last, oh my god sorry what was the last part um a i was just asking about yeah. like ai um <laughs> ai 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 yes ai is a real like threat that's a real thing that's not like people cat- catastrophizing that's like that's real it's already i mean that's my personal opinion my personal theory is that studios have already been using AI to try and write things. They've already been attempting that stuff. They've already been trying those things, which is why they're so against um, agreeing to never use it. Because I think, yeah, like it's, AI won't be able to write 
Oppenheimer, for example, that recently came out. But could AI write a Hallmark movie potentially? And then you hire one writer to do a rewrite. And so instead of hiring a writer to write a feature that might take, I don't know, six months, let's say, plus additional rewrites and stuff, now you're only hiring a writer for two weeks to do a pass to like make it more real. Um, and that's what's really like you can theoretically they can do that for anything they want because they're the ones putting content on the air. And so I don't know what like I don't know what the studio's plans are. I don't know anything like that. I'm not super well versed in the topic, but I do know that AI is a real thing. It's something that even if AI like even if the content that AI produces isn't as good as what writers can produce. Nothing is stopping studios from saying, well, that's the standard now. Like, there's no, it doesn't matter. Like, it just, like, and that's the issue. Like, it, it truly doesn't matter if 20 years from now, all the best TV shows were pre-2023 because those were all real writers. Like, it doesn't matter. So that's, it's not in any of our hands. And I mean, even things with actors and stuff, I think one of the proposals the studios gave was like, we'll pay a background actor for one day of work and in exchange we want full rights to their face and we can use their face in several different TV, like for, we own the rights to the face and they get paid a day rate, so a couple hundred bucks, if that, and they will never have the rights to their face again. They'll see it on any TV show, any marketing thing. Like that's, that's, that was a genuine like proposal that they gave so ai is like it's a problem for sure that's so crazy that you say that that's one of the things the studio is proposing because that's that was literally like a plot of like a black mirror episode i don't know if you watch black mirror but it that just is so wild i i can't sometimes i kind of like 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 resent the fact that i'm like so invested in this industry because like it this just comes along with like so many like things that you're you just you're just shocked by and like the way that like writers are treated like the peop the way that like the people who keep the industry going are treated is just so like backwards and then like the studio execs have the money when they're not even the ones like feeding the projects creatively it's just it's like it's kind of hard to like stay hopeful but i guess like you know in the end you those the people who like have the real love of it like really stick with it um so um so in just wrapping up, I kind of wanted to hear a little bit more about like some of your favorite scripts or things you've um, watched lately that have like made you proud to be a writer or be like, oh, that that was written really well. Um, so yeah, you could just talk about that. Oh, I mean, there's so much great TV, honestly. I recently watched The Bear season two. I, th- I think it's a pretty popular show. So a lot of people probably think about that, but... The writing on that show is insane. Um, yeah. Even just, there was one particular episode, I think it was the sixth episode, it was a flashback to... The, the holiday party? Oh my god, okay, yeah. But it was insane because everyone's talking over each other. And you're like, what does that script look like? Like, I think just things where you're just fascinated by what's happening and you forget that, oh, someone wrote this, like, that's always what's cool. So that that's something to me that stood out recently is something that was really cool to watch yeah and like where do you want where do you want your career to go from here i know you said that you're working on developing the short into a feature um and then you want to go to the oscars and you know that's 
I feel like that's very much a feasible goal for you, but then, like, after that, like, where do you want to go? Like, what do you see for yourself? I mean, I just, I want to be a creative. I want to be somebody who um, can just make cool stuff. I mean, honestly, it's like, like, the Oscar thing is like, you know, like, that's the dream. That's the fun stuff, whatever. Like, who's to say whether that will happen? But I think as long as I'm able to write and direct some sort of content that I think is a cool, fun story that speaks to me and might speak to other people, then I'm living the dream, you know? Like, it doesn't really... I don't think I have any other specific goals, like, whether that's one day I write a a musical or one day I have a reality show, but it's, like, about film. Like, I don't know. But I think as long as I'm doing something that feels authentic to me and, like, offers a different perspective in media and offers a space for other Caribbean girls to be like, oh my God, like, that's like me. Like, that's something that I just want, like, in terms of, in general. So, yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens. And so there's kind of, like, a question I've been asking, like, all of my guests at the end of, like, the episodes, and it's, when people watch your work, what do you want them to think? Like, what do you want, not what you want them to feel, but, like, what would be, like, a gratifying situation for you and somebody, like taking in your work um i think just someone who can see themselves in which isn't going to be the case for everybody but i think the point of making something is that even if only one person identifies with that character um and can feel something with it and it and it's just like a new like especially like i think it's especially going to be fun for caymanians to see a caymanian talked about on screen without tax evasion being put in the same sentence like i think specifically for my country that would be cool um but yeah i don't know like just in general that's like as long as like someone relates to the character and can be excited by something like that doesn't mean you have to write like deep things like i love murder mysteries i'd love to make a murder mystery super like fun and comical and whatever but Maybe it's set in the Caribbean or maybe one of the main characters from the Caribbean. Like, those are the small ways I'd love to, like, make a little change. Awesome. Um, Is there anything you want to promote or, like, uh, is there anywhere that people can watch your short? Uh, Not yet. We are in the festival life, so unfortunately I have nothing to promote at the moment. Outside of a Black Lady sketch show, if you want to watch any of the seasons, they're all fantastic. But, uh, yeah, thank you so much for having me. No, thank you so much for doing this. Um, I know, like, as soon as I started this, I knew I wanted to, like, have you on because you've been so helpful for me and, like, I'm so excited to, like, see the work you put out. So thanks again so much. That concludes this week's episode of Wigmas. Tune in for the next episode where I have my friend P.U. Sumani, who works as an editor slash AC, talk about their experience pivoting from engineering to film and teaching. Thanks for listening.